Hello, fellow friends, family, degenerates, and welcome to another edition of Caged Wisdom MMA. My name is Josh, and I am your host, along with co-host Buck Schlurf over MMA Nerd. Buck? Hello, everyone. I am here, and I am ready for UFC 293. At least somebody is. You know, we've talked about this before. Is it me, or does it seem like every other card that they put out for the pay-per-view, these main card events... It's just, uh, it's one really good card followed by a really bad card. And this one, I think, takes the cake. I mean, what, what are your thoughts on this? What are your thoughts on UFC 293? Like, just from face value, what do you think? I mean, my money was spent the second I heard we were getting Justin Toffa versus Austin Lane 2. Really? That's that's all I needed to see. The bad blood, the the storylines the 30 seconds of fighting that they had before, before the eye poke. I mean, yeah. that's worth $80 to me. God, $80. Uh, yeah. I, I you know, like, <laughs> yeah. what, what, what is the name of the show than the build up to this stuff? I mean, it couldn't have been very long. The only, the only, you know, cut that I could possibly imagine with Adesanya and Strickland is that, you know, that build up for the fight when Adesanya fought, or when uh, Strickland fought Pereira, right. You know, that little back and mm-hmm. forth. So other than that, and apparently, apparently, I don't know if you know this, but uh, Sean Strickland punched a fan in the stomach during fight week. Wow. Sean Strickland behaved inappropriately in public? Yep. That's happens, crazy. Happens every time. As a matter of fact, I, I know that the UFC was really concerned about him being on the card because uh, they thought he was going to embarrass the UFC, which... If you've ever heard him talk, I mean, he's 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 interesting. He's like Donald Trump, right? Some people love him, and the other half have the entire polar opposite response to that, and they absolutely hate him. So, does it make for good TV uh, sometimes? But in this case, they got to be able to fight, and you know, we're going to go into that. So, UFC 293, and I know we want to do like a little bit touch on on some of the things that we're seeing in the UFC right now. Nothing that's been going on in the cage necessarily. But uh, one thing that that Buck had alluded to early on before we got into the call is the UFC's antitrust lawsuit. Apparently, there's been some movement going on there, right, Buck? Right. So um, Kung Lee, who is a former Strikeforce fighter, fought in the UFC a couple of times. This is, oh gosh, back in the early 20, late 2000s, I want to say. Early 2010s, late 2000s. Um, He is leading this. Uh, antitrust lawsuit along with uh, John Fitch and some other guys. And the point of it is that they allege that the UFC has some um, anti-competitive business practices and they are trying to like sue the UFC to get um, the money that they feel was owed to them. Um, It's a class action lawsuit. So what a class action lawsuit is, um, is a group of people uh, representing a much larger group of people who are all affected in the same way by whoever they're suing. In this case, it's the UFC. So the major development that just happened was the judge uh, has officially granted them class status now. Uh, and them is uh, a pretty huge range. It's like anybody who fought for the UFC in an MMA fight that was either that either took place in the U- U.S. or was um, broadcast in the Which U.S. Which is every card. Uh, right. So between like 2010 and 2017, 
So it ends up being like 1,200 fighters that are part of this large class, and they just got certified. Um, now everybody, all those fighters are now automatically in that class and they can opt out if they want, but that's kind of not really the point. So them being certified as a whole class is this major development that will allow them to take the next steps. They're looking for, um, fair compensation for all of those 1200 fighters that were subjected to the UFC's anti-competitive business practices that uh, stagnated their wages that you know were blocking them out of the market and and things like that so if you know if they win everything that they're asking for which you were yeah, saying unlikely. unlikely and i agree um it, the total amount is something like five billion dollars sure. that would go to those 1200 fighters kind of distributed amongst them by like their earnings and their income and their number of appearances and all of those things so that would be a pretty devastating blow and not only are they asking for this money they are also demanding that the ufc change the way that it is practicing their business they are citing things like how the nfl and the uh nhl and nba and all those things um have around a 50 percent um, revenue split between the players and the organization itself and the UFC has a revenue split of about 20%. So even though the fighters are the only thing that people watch the UFC for, they get 20% of the total amount of money when in the W or the NBA and the NHL and uh, NFL sure. and all those they get like 50%. I mean, it sounds to me so like this could be the start you know, the, the first domino of the union conversation, which is, I know, something they've been gunning for for a while. Like, I don't know yeah. legally how many hurdles they have to go through in order to be able to unionize, but I'd imagine having credibility in these types of lawsuits at least at least facilitates it or paves the way. It's going to be interesting. Yeah, I, I don't see them getting $5 billion, but I do, no. I do think it's going to open up their contract process uh, to be a little more you know, leaning towards the fighters, which, you know, it needs to happen because a lot of these fighters, unless they're, you know, it's not even the 80, 20 rule. It's the 95, five rule within the UFC where 95% of the money is made by the top 5% of the fighters. And this is not sustainable from a, a long-term product and being able to bring in the type of talent that they need. And also, you know, these people that are having to pay for their training camps, having to pay for their coaches, you know, obviously, you know, travel to, I don't know if they have to pay for their travel, but I know that they have to bring people in from all over the world to be competitive in these fights. And that's not cheap. You know, by the time it's all said and done, I don't think they're making very much money unless they're the absolute top of the heap. So it's gonna be interesting how it plays out. I hope that the fighters end up getting a better cut than what they have, because, you know, with, I just think it's going to end up being a lot better for, the, the overall product and, and developing the talent pipeline, um, which is what we all want at the end of the day, right? Just better talent. So this, correct. And the UFC is going to get this from two directions. I don't know where this is going to go, um, but the rising kind of competitor to the UFC in the States right now is the PFL mm -hmm. that used to be um, World Series of Fighting and now it's Professional Fighters League. They're also on ESPN. They do a like a season of fights rather than just cards that kind of go on constantly. 
Um, but they have been making some huge moves um, in the last couple of yeah. months. They signed, they signed Tyson Fury, or sorry, they signed Francis Ngannou, um, and then are letting him both be a, an MMA fighter for the PFL and box Tyson Fury. Um, they're going to make him the chairperson of PFL Africa, so they're going to expand intentionally into Africa. And they just sold a stake of their company to um, the PIF or whatever the uh, acronym is, which is um, Saudi Arabia's uh, public in, uh, public investment fund. So, so the same one that has the um, golf tournament. Correct. So LIV, LIV Golf yeah, or Live yeah. Golf, LIV, um, that has been poaching golf uh, uh, pro golfers away from the PGA. Um, they are the ones who made they that paid Cristiano Ronaldo like $300,000 or $400,000 or whatever a season. Or, uh, you that know, is a lot more than makes. that. <laughs> it's a lot more than that too. You're probably right. Um, I do. I'm, I'm just an MMA yeah. guy. I only know small numbers. Well, anyway. Um, yeah. I mean, the whole thing is, is really interesting. And it's gonna be yeah. so they yeah. spent a hundred million dollars on the PFL um, in order to like bring them over and showcase Saudi Arabian talent and and that's gonna be a pretty significant blow to the UFC who's also trying to push into that market with Fight Island um, and things like that. Well, anytime yeah, I mean you saw what happened with the PGA. Anytime you have that kind of resource, it's gonna impact. So yeah, so the UFC is in an interesting spot right now and. Uh, without going too much yeah. into it any any more than we already have, I, I, I'm interested to see what the impact's going to be and, and how the UFC is going to start to step it up. Because what I've seen starting in really 2022, maybe even a little bit before that, whenever the contract started with, with ESPN, I don't know how long it's been now, but the amount of, of events that they're required to put on as part of that contractual obligation is is slowly but surely watering down the sport so much that even people like, you and I, we were talking about that. I mean, there's people that are on this card right now for UFC 293 that have never won on, on the, the main, main card. card that have never won a fight in the UFC, which is it's mind boggling because this is not a showcase. This is we're not we're not trying to showcase up and coming talent. That's UFC fight night. That's those types of events that hell that's even yeah. uh, UFC fight pass. That's not that's that's, that's not this. And that's that's what we're seeing. And that's the reason why. And we talk about, you know, they have more competitions coming in. Anyway, don't need to go on any further. It's just an interesting tidbit that uh, we thought everyone should know about what's going on uh, outside of fighting behind the scenes with these bigger organizations that uh, along with UFC. So uh, UFC 293. So we're going to get into that. We're going to go through it. Like I've said a million times before, we are not a a betting necessarily a, a betting prediction type oh where to spend your money but i do like to give the fight odds and we're gonna give some predictions for all of the uh, uh fights on the main card so just as usual you'll see 293 we've got five fights first one is tyson pedro who's minus 110 taking on anton turkage i believe is how you say it who's minus 115 second fight is justin taffa who's sitting at minus 210 is taking on austin lane at plus 180 uh manel our third fight, Manel Cop, which is minus 395, is taking on the the, the short-notice fighter, Felipe Dos Santos. 
And then the, the co-main event is Taya Tuavasa, uh, plus 200, taken on Alexander Volkov, minus 245. And then finally, the main car or the, the, the main event, which is Israel Adesanya, who is minus 650 and taking on Sean Strickland, plus 470. So we're going to breeze pretty quickly past the first couple of fights because there's just not a lot of meat on these fights because we don't even really know it a whole lot about these fighters. I and mean, we, it's hard to even find information on these guys. Um, but we do know about Tyson Pedro. So Tyson Pedro is taking on Anton Turkalj. What are your thoughts on this fight? Um, Anton Turkalj's nickname is the pleasure yep. man. And that's the only thing I bothered to learn about him. He's Owen two in the UFC uh, now. And he's found on the, on the uh, contender series, right? Yeah, he was on the contender Didn't get series. A contract, um, I believe. Right, and then kind of was brought in as a late replacement, if yeah, I remember got correctly. Yes, twice. So, am I super high on Anton Turkalj? No. Um, who did he lose to? He lost to Gilton Almeida. I will forgive that. Um, Gilton Almeida is um, our heavyweight rising prospect that we think is going to go all the way to the top. Um, and then he also lost to Vitor, Vitor uh, Petrino, who I have never heard of either. <laughs> and I and I promise I watch a lot, a of, lot fights. of fights. So do I. Tyson Pedro is fine. Um, he's, I think he's on a two-fight win streak because he fought um, Ike Villanueva, who is a 1,000 and looks like he's made of wood and moves like he's made of wood. Uh, and then he also beat... Harry Hunsucker, who I don't think has won a fight in no. in the UFC. No, maybe I, I he, he won a fight in the UFC. I think uh, maybe he beat. Didn't he beat the Russian? No, I don't. Maybe I don't think so. I I think he fought uh, Justin Taffa. Yeah, he did. also, and I think he might have he might have beaten Taffa, and that's about it. Um, so am I like super hot on Tyson Pedro? No. Um, no, he did. He did lose to Justin Taffa. Uh, I'm not super hot on Tyson Pedro. I think he's got a lot of promise, but he, he's just been so inconsistent. He's taken long breaks. Um, I, I'm, I'm rooting for him. I'm interested in him, but I have not seen enough from him yet to make me really excited about, you know, what he's going to do here. Well, he's been out for a while too, hasn't he? Yeah, I think he came back uh, recently with his win over um, Villanueva, but before that, um, lost to um, Shogun and lost to twenty eighteen Oven yeah. Oven Saint Peru. Before yeah, that, I think that was his first fight that he had. I mean, so obviously he's a he's a, he's a mid level fighter uh, taking on someone that we mm-hmm. don't really know very much about i think uh anton who did i who was he fighting for before this what what uh what league was he in uh i think he was fighting for brave cf yeah, brave CF. um brave combat federation which is a like eastern european promotion um hamzat shemaev came out of there yeah i think a lot of guys from that read from like uh what is he swiss um, yeah, or Swedish. Swedish. I think a lot of Swedish uh, guys are, are fighting in that sort of promotion um, at the beginning of their yeah. careers. So what's uh, what's your best guess on this? 
Because it's interesting that that uh, College is is uh, the the slight betting favorite here against Tyson Pedro. Um, I you know I don't know how good Tyson Pedro's grappling is. Um, maybe that they're thinking that Turkalj, um, as like a Swedish wrestler, probably has a little bit more uh, grappling experience and is probably going to be able to hold him down. Uh, I I think that I'm going to give it to. Pedro, um, I've liked. I, he has shown flashes of promise, um, so I, I'll root for Pedro because I want to see him. I'll, I'll vote for yeah, Pedro. Hey, as it is. why don't we start out with that? I'll vote for Pedro too. <laughs> I, I never take. I never take someone go. coming in without a credible win in the UFC. That's on an own two slide against like yeah. mid tier comp. I mean, obviously Almeida, not mid tier, but yeah, uh, the other guy is who I don't even know who he is. So. I agree. Uh, next fight, told you we weren't going to spend much time on this. Justin Taffa, minus 210, is taking on Austin Lane, plus 180. And for those that don't know, uh, this is the second fight. So they fought, what was it, back in February, I think, right? Yeah, like a couple of months, a couple ago. months ago. So uh, Austin Lane ended up getting a, or was it Taffa that got a poke to the eye? Uh, Taffa, Taffa got, got poked, poked in the, the eye, eye in 30, in 30 seconds. seconds. It was pretty nasty. I was literally just yeah. watching it. So, but Austin Lane was winning that first twenty three seconds. So let's just let's just throw sure that was. There. So this is the rematch that say, nobody was clamoring yeah. for. Yeah, <laughs> this is not like a, a a a fight that's worth being this high up on a main card. Shit, um, at least it's just two unranked. Uh, no, actually, Austin Lane has only been in the UFC for twenty eight seconds because that was his first fight in the UFC. Yes, that was his first fight. So he also, he is one of the fighters that does not have a win that is on this main card. Mm. And I'm poo-pooing it. It is going to be a lot of fun. It's not going to be relevant for like the heavyweight division. Neither of these guys are going to be title contenders or anything like that. But somebody's going to get nuked fast. Um, I went through Austin Lane's record. Uh, he has like, tw- I want to say like 15 fights or something around that. Uh, 11 KOTKOs, never been to a decision. He's only made it past the second round one time. Uh, he's just kill or be killed. Uh, he had two fights on the contender series. He won his second one with just like some hellacious ground and pound. He just like freaked out and, and knocked this guy down and just jumped on him and, and really sloppily made his way through his guard and punched him out. And it worked. Um, before that, he, his first attempt was against Greg Hardy and Greg Hardy knocked him out like totally cold inside yeah, of a minute. 57 seconds. So he, yeah, he really is do or die. He's, you know, come back with your shielder on it, Austin Lane. And I think he's going to just go out there and swing. I'm looking at the stats. He's a half a foot taller than Tafa and he's got a six inch reach advantage too. So I think this is going to go pretty similarly to that first fight. Um, Even though we only saw 20 seconds, uh, Lane was just blasting away at body kicks. He kicks a lot for heavyweight. So that should be, you know, something to watch for. Uh, They're an open stance. Tafa is left-handed, so he's a southpaw. And Austin Lane is uh, orthodox, so he's right-handed. Um, so there's going to be an open stance matchup and, and Lane is going to be able to like really slam his back leg into Tafa, uh, as he's coming forward. And 
both hands framing off of him, pushing away to keep distance. That's how he accidentally poked him in the eye the first time. Um, but I, it was a good strategy. Accidents happen, that's fine. But really trying to work the body with your longest range weapon and maintain that distance and force Tafa to close in like a clumsy way with his hands down, I think Lane has probably got this in the bag. Okay. I was going to take Tafa. I was going to take Tafa until you said that. Uh, it could, you know, I think it's just going to be a sloppy. It's going to turn a little ugly yeah, and I mean, gross. And this is the um, challenge. And it could easily right? go Tafa's the challenge way. when you have guys that are fighting on a main card that have never been up against the talent level because 30 seconds is not enough of a body of work to be able to make any, you know, legitimate decisions or, or any great mm-hmm. observations that you can kind of push into the next, uh, into their next fight. So it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. I sure as heck wouldn't bet on it, but what I, I would do if I were you is I would definitely take this, uh, uh, to go under three rounds or under two and a half rounds because someone's getting knocked out. Oh, and that's yeah. just the way these things go. I mean, I think Tafa, uh, he's he's a he's a slugger, he's a brawler, he's got that that typical like Australian Kiwi ridiculously thick skull, can hit like a truck. But in his case, uh, you know, it, he's like almost like a tie to Avasa light in a way, uh, just not quite as good as Tuavasa, like his little brother, if you will. And so I think he's gonna get, maybe get a little bit big brothered in this case too, uh, based on what you're telling me. And so, I, yeah, I take Austin Lane to him if he's if he's got the the ability to keep it at distance because that's what it's going to take. It's going to take someone that's good enough to be able to manage that range, keep it out of there, and then you know if he's got some good leg kicks in the body and with some of these heavier guys just just wearing them out with their cardio, uh, you can take enough body shots, you can wear anybody out, especially when they're a little bit a little bit soft in the middle. So we'll go ahead and take uh, mm-hmm. uh, Austin Lane on this one. Next fight, Manel Cop. Minus three ninety five taking on uh, Felipe Dos Santos. So Dos Santos, go ahead. Plus three ten. Uh, sorry, everyone. If you can hear my cat uh, freaking out in the background, he is. I thought it was um, your chair. He's really upset. He's really upset that Justin Taffa and Austin Lane are <laughs> on the main card. Uh, I get it, buddy. Me too. Um, this next one is Manel Cop and Felipe Dos Santos. Uh, again, Dos Santos is. Um, never had a win in the UFC. He's never fought in the UFC. This one's a bit more forgivable. Yeah. Uh, this was supposed to be Manel Cop versus uh, Kai Kara France, which would have been an awesome fight. That would have been like the best fight on the card. Um, but Kara France had to pull out, and that's you know that's just what the fight game, the game is like. That's this one I don't really hold against mm-hmm. the UFC. Um, and in fact, I think Felipe Dos Santos is. If you had to pull anyone, I'm kind of interested. He is really young in his career so this will be probably too early of a start for him um he's seven and oh he's pretty much flat only on regional um regional brazilian cards until his last fight was his first fight in the lfa fun Um, fact he's number 63 out of 746 active brazilian pro flyweights there you go. Number 63. At 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 22. Um and so he's starting early in the UFC. He's in his early early 20s. I think he's going to be outclassed here. But those were all true of 
his training partner and teammate uh, at Shootabox Diego Lima, Charles Oliveira. So he trains with Charlie Olives, and Oliveira was also into the UFC really early in his career. He was like 20 years old, really talented but raw, and and had to do a lot of his growing up in the promotion. Um, and I think that's why he's been considered an underdog for so long is because there's so much footage of him losing in, in the UFC. Um, and that's because he grew up here. And I think you, this is this a similar situation for, uh, for Felipe dos Santos. So are we seeing somebody who could be a mainstay in the UFC in five years, in six years? I, I'd love to stick, stick around and find out. Um, he's shown a lot of promise so far. Uh, you know, going seven and no, uh, looks like he's two wins by KO TKO three wins by submission two by decision. And he's got a sub in first, second and third round. So he's got a diverse set of skills. He's can go the distance. He's got some knockout power. That'll be fun to watch. I don't know how outmatched he's going to be. Um, because Manel Kopp has had a pretty successful career and a long career. Um, this is going to be a, a, a huge experience mismatch, sure. I'll, I'll say. Um, and definitely a moment to like... I mean, Cop Cop really fought like yourself. Ian McCall, uh, Horiguchi, Mizugaki. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, dude, those guys were like the who's who back in the 2010s. He's been around for a long time. Yeah, he's been fighting. He's been fighting for at least professionally for I want to say a, over a decade. Um, and I know he was a champion in Ryzen over in Japan for a long time. Currently, he's living in Thailand. I think he trains at a Tiger Muay Thai in Phuket. Um, so he's about that. You know, he's just been yeah. a striker. I think, I think his for U.S. team time. is Extreme Couture. I believe that he's. I really like watching his striking style. Um, he does a couple of things that I I don't love, but he does a couple of things that I really do like. Uh, and one of those is he counters in combination. And I love counter combinations. He sits on the outside, and he's such a good, accurate sniper that he forces you to start making bigger reactions than you want to in order to get something back on him. Um he is really technical and really accurate, and he'll put single shots out over and over and over again. And then on a hair trigger, he goes body, head, body, or, you know, spinning back kick, you know, into, you know, big overhand right, or, you know, these like up jabs. And, and he's got like a really diverse set of striking skills that he uses to counter once he's forced you to make kind of over commitments and errors. Uh, and that's, you know, kind of is a slow build, but it is really cool to watch when he gets it going. Yeah. And I was looking at his stats too. And I think with Ryzen or Risen, whatever it is, uh, you know, he, almost all of his finishes have come by either TKO or submissions at Risen or Ryzen, whatever is it Ryzen or Risen? I forget. I'm pretty Ryzen, sure it's Yeah. So he did not have one fight go the distance that he won, which is something that you don't see that often at 125. Uh, and mm-hmm. similar effect with, uh, I, he's had one decision in the UFC, not a lot of fights, obviously in the UFC, not a ton of them, but yeah, I, th- I think he's a legitimate talent. I think he's what ranks seven at this point. Something like that. Ranked yeah. Seven. 
so. uh, you know, the the fly was just don't get a tremendous amount of love. But, uh, you know, he, he's he, like if I, I what are the odds on this right now? Minus three ninety five. I think Dos Santos could come out and surprise some people. Plus three ten, to be honest with you. Uh, even though I don't have a whole, a tremendous amount of footage on the guy, uh, from what I've heard and just, it's kind of like that backroom stuff that you were talking about, like who he trains with. Uh, we've seen some of his other teammates do in the past. I think it's going to be, there's enough threat there with that level of talent. Mm-hmm. Cause that's one of the things we talk about when we're going back and we're looking at fights is, you know, it's not, what have they done necessarily in the past, you know, as the only thing we're looking at, but also who are they training with? Like, who are they being coached by? And when you have elite level talents coming out of a school, then you a lot of times have to put more stock in that individual that's coming in as well. Because if he's constantly with those killers, obviously his game's going to be way up compared to someone that's more of a, a regional gym or a gym that we've never heard of before. So uh, would I put my money on it? No, no chance. But <laughs> but I would say watch this fight um, yeah. so you can say that you saw Felipe Dos Santos's first fight in the UFC. Um, and follow along on his UFC career because I think he will be one to watch. Okay. All right, so we're you're you're still gonna take cop though, right? Yeah, I am. Uh, the experience difference is yeah, just too great I, I right agree. now for me, um, especially on short notice. And then, uh, so the mm-hmm. co-main event is Ty Tuivasa, who's plus two hundred, taking on Alexander Volkov, who's minus two forty five. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, plus two hundred. I'm going to attribute that to his loss to Cyril Gaon. I think... Yeah, it was brutal um, loss, too. Yeah, that was tough. But I, I, I think that the way that Cyril Gaon beat him, like, on a surface level, was these, like, lancing shots to the body and good distance management and, like, work from the outside and punishing on the in the body when Tuivasa tries to to close distance. And I think Volkov can do all those things. I think the better um the odds makers think that as well. So, what am I expecting? I'm expecting Volkov to keep busy with jabs from range um and switch between one of three kicks um and open stance body kick, a front teep and like a front snap kick or like a rear leg snap kick. Um, just trying to either dig into the gut, push tie away, or, you know, with that side, that side kick, I think he's going to try and use that to bring um, Ty's hands down so that he's going to try and close the distance with hands down in order to protect his body. So Volkov can go up high with head kicks or, or counter him, you know, with a big overhand right as Ty has to crash in to, to make that, uh, make up that yeah. distance. Um, just like the um, Austin Lane, Justin Taffa fight, uh, Volkov has five inches of height and five inches of reach on Tuivasa. Yeah, and Tuivasa has notoriously struggled with technicians. He's, he looks really, mm-hmm. really good against brawlers, against guys that are willing to play his game. Uh, he's really, you know, opportunistic, you know, again, like Derek Brunson, like the guy that that's hittable, that's a pro, or, you know, that's a problem when you're fighting Ty Tuivasa. But when you have someone, you know, even Dos Santos, Junior Dos Santos is a really good boxer, and um, mm-hmm. you know Volkov, Cyril Gon, uh, very cerebral fighter, and someone that mm-hmm. is going to factor in a game plan that I think, uh, you know, the only thing I, I worry about Volkov is sometimes I feel that he gets a little bit complacent when he's ahead. 
which could be a, yeah. a significant factor against Tua Vasas because Tua Vasas is really good about covering the distance and, and unleashing. But a lot of times he almost wastes until he gets hurt or stung and then the guy charges in just like he did with uh, Greg Hardy. And then that's his opportunity to light him up. I don't think this is going to go Tui Voss's way. I want it to go Tui Voss's way because I love watching the guy fight because he's he's a really entertaining fighter. And I like the shoey. But I, I think Alexander Volkov is going to take this just because of the reach advantage. Uh, the fact that uh, uh, Tui Vasa is not going to be a threat to take him to the ground. So he doesn't have to worry about that. So he's not going to have to you know, keep his hands low. To, he's not going to keep his hips back. He's going to be able to attack the legs. He's going to be able, and more importantly, he's going to be able to attack this, the stomach and the gut area with the teeth kick, which, um, you know, like I said, those bigger guys, a little bit soft in the middle, you get with enough teeth kicks. And if, even in the three round fight, you're going to get really, really tired as your, as your breathing gets disrupted over and over again, especially when you start to get frustrated, you start taking bigger swings, bigger cuts, because you're going to be a little more reliant upon the knockout, uh, than trying to find a, a legitimate strategy to get on the inside. So I think that Volkov is going to take this. Uh, I think it's going to absolutely be a, a decision because that's how Volkov typically wins. Uh, but if I'm wrong, it's going to be a, a knockout by Tuivasa. That's it's one or the other. Uh, you know, the way I think Tuivasa gets a knockout is by chopping away at Volkov's lead leg. I think big, tall guys with big, long legs just struggle to get that thing out of the way, um, in the same way that more compact fighters do. Um, and Ty has some. Vicious yeah. kicks. He really does have like just awful thunder. Everything that guy kicks. does full power. Um, and so if he can start chopping that leg out from the outside and kind of hamper Volkov's ability to get that distance and maintain that distance, uh, I could see him closing and pressing him up against the cage just like he did to Stefan Struve. Uh, also way taller than him. But what he did was he got in the inside, he put his head in his chest pressed him up against the cage. Um, when you're that close to somebody with that long of arms, they just can't generate the same amount of force to try and hit something that's right in front of their chest. Nobody can. Um, and Ty can just, you know, drive his head into their chest, find their chin with one hand, and then without even looking, just punch, hit, you know, punch and try and hit his own hand. And if Volkov's in the middle of those two things, that's just... Yeah. That that'll be how he loses. If he connects, it's it's going to be over because he's got that ungodly, unworldly power. But he's gonna he's gonna need he's gonna need someone that's gonna be willing to engage him in that in that style of fight. And I just don't see Volkov doing it. And I think that's also a lot of the reasons that Volkov is not necessarily a fan favorite because he follows a strategy, keeps distance. His fights have been deemed by many as somewhat boring. He's not exactly a very animated person with a big personality. So, you know, we've got uh, a lot of opposites going on here. I really wish to have also win this fight, but I don't think he's going to. So, I do also like the show. I love it. I love I gotta the say. No, everything about that guy <laughs> makes you want to hang out with him. <laughs> but uh, I, would, I don't feel the same way about Volkov, I'll tell you that much. It's the kind of guy that would win the title and then still be like calling people to hang out. Anyway, so okay, final fight. Promise to do this quick. Israel Adesanya minus six fifty taking on uh, Sean Strickland plus four seventy. What are your thoughts on this fight? I know what you're gonna say. Um, Everyone's saying that Sean Strickland doesn't have a chance. Uh, why did I even ask you what your thoughts? If I'm just gonna take over. So what are your thoughts, Buck? 
Sean Strickland doesn't have a chance. <laughs> I here here's the thing. I think that Sean Strickland is a perfectly He's a good fighter. Serviceable fighter. He's good. Um his Come striking on. is weird. Um he definitely makes it work. It would be wrong to say that his striking is totally ineffective, but it is very strange. He holds his hands in front of his chest and and, and he really just focuses on parrying and head movement to yeah. To, to you know to defend himself and a lot of his punches are just from the arms they're just tippy tap pitter patter kind of like make contact kind of punches and there's definitely a purpose to those um nick diaz uses those a lot different striking form but just like the kind of constant pressure that you can put on with these like easy low commitment punches uh, especially if like you were saying sean strickland pretty much only spars yeah. for training you can see it in his and, body type, And because too. of that, yeah, because of that, he's got really <clears throat> good timing in the pocket. He's got good, like, fight sense. He's got really good yeah. reactions, and he's really sharp in that way, and that's great. Um, but he's narrowed his game down so specifically that he doesn't have a lot of variety anymore, and he doesn't have a lot of adaptability. Um, and it, for me, it doesn't matter how good any single one of your skills is if you can't do at least something else that's not enough to be adesanya because adesanya will figure it out and he will exploit whatever weakness is available in your style unless you can put him out before or, he can or unless you're you one out. of the guys that might be a little bit better than him at certain areas of striking like Pereira. yeah but i mean yeah well Pereira has just got his number yeah. and that's just the way yeah. uh but like if if Izzy gets a read on Sean Strickland's offense and recognizes where the punches are coming from and recognizing and it recognizes what punches that Sean is best at deflecting, namely like straight punches, like jabs and crosses and kind of like naked hooks, uh, he's going to recognize what punches are, are not effective and he's going to recognize where the holes in Sean Strickland's defense are. And I just don't think Strickland's going to be, be able to make enough adaptations or or change his fighting style in a meaningful way that won't you know that'll that will protect him from from Adesanya's yeah. kind of like evolving offense as a well, fighter. And let, let's be clear about one thing too: is that Sean Strickland really shouldn't be in this position right now. You know, it was it was his yeah, mouth sure, that yeah. that got him here, and the fact that Drix Duplessis. Uh, is injured, and so this seemed like the, for whatever re- reason, the natural, um, you know, next contender in line. Because I think he's ranked number five right now, and he's two and two in his last four. But you know, I, I mean, I know that Sean Strickland, like I said before, he gets a lot of heat for the things that he says. But this is the fight game. We're here to watch him fight, and Sean Strickland is is in the way that he wins a lot of his fights. It's just based on sheer just toughness. He's got a great chin. He's got good boxing. He's got good power. He's got, you know, pretty good cardio. Uh, but the guys that he's been beating are not Israel Adesanya. Israel Adesanya is that that next level, the next tier of talent. We saw what happened when he fought a similar type individual in Alex Pereira. Um, you know, he was able to go and, and it looked like he was doing okay for the first two or three minutes. But for the people that don't strike, myself included, you know, and just listening to other people that do this for a living, where they're assessing their their fighters and have had conversations with them, 
all that shit's just a setup. They're just reading, throwing out feints, throwing out jabs, seeing what they're going to do. And, you know, they figure if they could hit a couple of shots to the chest, um, what, that's what Pereira did to Strickland. You know, hit the chest, hit the chest, hit the chest. And then eventually he brought his hands down and then he went for the hook and just knocked him clean out. So he's all these, these top level fighters are just downloading this information. And I completely agree with you. Thing about Strickland that, that makes me think his chances are slim is not necessarily because of just his fighting style. It's his professionalism, right? We, we talked about it before. He does not do the typical training methodologies we see in elite level fighters. So he's not a strength and conditioning guy. He's sparring way more often than you see other fighters sparring. That's his main go-to uh, um, for training for a fight, which is good in a way because it helps with his timing, helps with his technique. But it's bad in a way because you get a lot of mileage like that. Also, if he's not having a ton of different people come in that he's fighting against, then you're not getting a ton of looks. And what I saw him do against, uh, was it Uncle Iev? Who did he fought last time? It was like Magomed or something uh, like that. Imovov, I want to say. No, I don't think so. Was it? But it was uh, Uncle Iev, right? Imovov, Uncle Iev. Uh, Nasruddin Imovov. Uncle Iev, I think, is a light. Oh, uh, Nasruddin Imovov. Abus Magomedov. Magomedov. Sorry. Magomedov. Um, so anyway, I forgot my train of thought there. But long story short, we got our odds yeah. wrong. Uh John Strickland <laughs> is a good fighter. He belongs in the top ten. He is going to put a lot of pressure and wither most of those people in the top ten. Uh, but against next year talent, he's not doing the things that he needs to do to adapt and change himself as a fighter on a regular basis to be able to even keep this fight competitive after I believe round two to round three, I see this going, uh, uh, okay for him in the first round, but I think that it's just going to be Israel Adesanya downloading all that information. He's going to be throwing a lot of kicks. He's going to be making Sean Strickland miss a lot. Strickland's going to be marching towards him over and over. Like he does. It has so much success against the lower tier guys. It's just not going to work here. It's just not, uh, it, he'll be figured out by round two, just like he was with Pereira or in round one in his case. And he's going to get lit up. And Strickland's a pretty good ground game. But we, like you said, we've seen a lot of guys that have much better ground uh, grappling games and much better takedowns uh, not be able to get one up on Israel Adesanya. And Strickland just doesn't have that. I think he's better than Adesanya on the ground, but how's he going to get it there? Yeah, that's just, that's just not enough. I don't think he's got enough. Yeah. Do you, do you think the odds, um, I don't know what they started out at, but from DraftKings today, it was Adesanya minus 650 versus Strickland four plus 470. That seems that seems a little bit high. I mean, I think that Strickland's a good enough fighter where he could at least get lucky in this fight, right? I mean, we have... Well, so, but he's not a one-punch guy, you know? I mean, he's got to build... He's got to wear uh, him he, down. He wins... Yeah, and so, like... Yeah, I just don't think he he doesn't. Maybe he does like crack Adesanya a couple of times and gets him good, um, but I just don't think he's got the kind of striking that can change a fight in an instant. No. I think he has to build, um, and maybe he'll get one or two like good lands because he does have this kind of confusing, odd striking style, and he is very, very good at it, but... I don't think any like one shot he lands is going to be enough to like alter the course of the fight. 
Um, no, he, even Yoel Romero hit him with that overhand right. Do you remember that? Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, Izzy's got a chin. Uh, he he really does. Uh, he gets called skinny yeah. and he gets called all these things, but Israel's a big Strickland dude. does not have and, Yoel Romero power. Yeah. Not even close. He didn't have Jan Blahovich power no. either. No. So that, that, in a way, takes away the only opportunity I see for him to win which is that constant pressure and wearing Adesanya down. Now, mind you, Israel Adesanya, I, I don't, rem- I don't know exactly the year, but I would guess it's probably somewhere around the two seventeen mark. Hasn't been in a three round fight since then. Strickland looked pretty damn tired against Magomedov after mm-hmm. round two, and he's been in, you know, he's been in some five round fights, but. Uh, you know, I, I don't think his gas tank will even necessarily hold up because of that constant marching forward, especially if he's getting a lot yeah. of shots to the body, which Israel Adesanya is a master at. And and Izzy main he like keeps his cardio so measured. He he, you know, I, I'm I don't know if he's a cardio freak, but he's never tired in the fifth round because he just paces himself no. so well and and controls the pace of a. Well, fight I mean, let's so be well. devil's advocate though. So when Pereira had success against Adesanya, because he was losing that fight in, in the first fight that they mm-hmm. had. And in the mm-hmm. fifth round, he came out, and I don't know, maybe it was like 3-3, three, three, or was it 3-1 or 2-2? Two, two? I think it was 3-1 Adesanya, right? Yeah, 3. Um, No, I think I would have gone 2-2. Two, two. I, uh, I, I think I gave him the first and the, or the, the okay. second and third. But anyway, so with that, with that, if we try to apply that, you know, this is uh, MMA math. But the way that mm. Pereira always had success against Izzy is when he put on that ridiculous pressure, right? He wouldn't let Izzy get mm-hmm. any of that space behind him. And then, you know, obviously he hits really hard and and he's kind of in Adesanya's head a little bit. But that was the way to beat Adesanya. Do you think that if Strickland is able to maintain those pre- that pressure – and round three, four, and five, if he's able to, to you know, get past his first couple of rounds, do you think that he has enough to be able to back Israel Adesanya into the corner? Because it does seem like there's a little, at least a little bit of a blueprint on how to beat Adesanya, a little bit. I, 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 forward pressure just isn't enough. Um, I'm just trying to make this sound interesting. I, you know, <laughs> yeah, Ad, Ad, uh, Marvin Vittori has really good forward pressure. Um, and he was jabbing and he was, you know, throwing jabs in his face and shooting double legs all night long. Um, gosh, yeah, may, yeah, maybe Sean Strickland cracks him. There's got to be a way for him to win. And that's what I see it being. Yeah. I mean, at the, at, at just sort of overwhelming him in the fifth round, um, after like, kind of putting like a slow burn on him for the there's, four, there's even no if he chance, has to give up some there? rounds. Boy, I, I would be, I would be more shocked than I have almost ever been. <laughs> really? What about Nunez, the Nunez fight? Okay. I would be the second most shocked that I've ever <laughs> yeah. been. Yeah. I, okay. I, I, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah, actually. That's great. a great call. Okay. So I think she was minus <laughs> crazier things have happened. Um, so anyway, I, I think it's pretty obvious we're both going to pick Adesanya here, and uh, at minus six fifty, that's that's too high to play in that in that range. So th- this is not a very bettable card if you're looking to throw money on it. But there's definitely some clear winners, uh, clear favorites, and I think for the most part, 
I think we're just going straight favorites, aren't we? I think so. No, Austin Lane. Austin Lane is the value. Oh, Austin Lane is yeah, the underdog? Oh, yeah. Take okay. him. So, Austin Lane. There you go. That's what we would do if we were you. But we're not you, so do what you want. So, anyway, uh, UFC 294 is on the horizon. Now, that is, when we talk about alternating cards, this card is going to be legit. Uh, what are the, all the announced card uh, fights? So, we've got Islam Makachev uh, versus Ola, uh, Charles Oliveira, Paulo Costa versus uh, Hamza Chimaev, which I'm super excited about. There's no way that's not Yeah, there's fun. no way that's not going to be fun. And then, um, you know the name, but is, is it Nasruddin? Uh, Nasruddin Imavov and Ikram Alaskarov. That's going to be good, too. I think that's going to be a really cool coming out party for Ikram Alaskarov. Yep. And I think some of the other um, announced bouts is uh, Muhammad Makayev. Yeah. Is taking on Tim Elliott. Tim Elliott, I think, get a little old. But man, that guy is fun to watch. Uh That'd be a great yeah. test for Makayev. And then Magomed Ankalaev versus Johnny Walker. Another, you know, I had those guys both pegged as potential champions about three or four years ago. Johnny Walker, boy, he fell off pretty quick, but he looks, he's been looking pretty good, man. He's been, he's, he's been, been getting, getting good. good. He's coming, coming back, back. Got that fight IQ up a little bit. And, uh, you know, I think those are the only ones that are somewhat confirmed at this point. Um, they're not even on the UFC website as of yet, but that's one that I'll be doing, uh, quite a bit for so we're, we're really excited about that so UFC 294 that's on October 21st I think that's yeah outside of that so we got a little bit of time in between then so that's good that's good. awesome in the meantime UFC 293 is June let's just the call 9th. it what it is Tune in. fight night 293 this weekend fight night 293 yep. Yep. give me your $80 80 bucks man <laughs> well, hopefully I don't have to end up paying it all out but I'm going for the fighters with the lawsuit all right, man. So I'm assuming you're going to go watch the fights at Buffalo Wild Wings. I'm going to get together with some buddies. But uh, if you're out there and you're listening, appreciate you taking the time. And we will see you all the week of October. Should have done the math. Well, the week before October 21st. And we'll be doing the breakdown uh, at that point in time. But until then, hope everyone has a great rest of your week. And we will talk to you soon. Over and-